The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Welcome back to hour number two, today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you, and whether you're listening on the AM side at 1490, on the FM side at 104.9, or if you're listening via the live stream, which can be found on ESPNTucson.com or your uh, Alexa-enabled devices, I appreciate you tuning in here to Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. We'll be putting the podcast up today as well, so if you are unable to get all two hours in at the, at the live time, you can always download the podcast anywhere you get your podcast. Just look for the Jeff Dean Show and uh, download it, and you can listen at your leisure. You can skip to the good parts if you want, which is all the parts, in my opinion. But I may be biased. Major League Baseball, I need to make some picks here because, uh, you know, it's 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 radio, and I'm a radio host, and I need to make picks, right? So, like, who's going to win the World Series and all this other stuff and uh, Cy Youngs and MVPs and winners of the divisions and everything. Look, I think it's safe to say that the Dodgers are going to be the overwhelming favorite in the National League, specifically in the NL West. They are the best team as constructed in the National League West. I think the Giants are right you know, again, right there behind them, if they can find the the magic that they had last year, which was shocking. I mean, I remember, you know, because I am, uh, you know, I do the PA announcing for the uh, for the Giants in spring training, and last, you know, last year, last spring, I was watching that team, and I, and we were all like everybody that works at Giants staff and everybody, you know, we're talking, and I'm like, this team will be lucky to get to 500 this year. Like, it's just not. They don't look great. And then, lo and behold, you know, Buster Posey caught fire, and Brandon Crawford was in the MVP discussions for quite some time. And, you know, I mean, it was just – it was it was one of those, you know, situations where it's like, oh, okay, well, you know, <laughs> they caught lightning in a bottle and were able to get some, you know, get some things, you know, ironed out, worked out. And, you know, they put together one hell of a season. I mean, they had the best record in baseball. I don't think that's going to happen this year. The Dodgers are a juggernaut. Uh, the Giants have lost some things in the offseason, obviously, uh, with certain players leaving uh, and, you know, Buster Posey retiring and such. So, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's a big part of it. But um, I, I think, you know, when you, when you look at, you know, everything as a whole, I'm, it, the Dodgers are the overwhelming favorite to to win the National League and they should be. I mean, they've put together what people are calling the Death Star. <laughs> right? Like it's it's kind of it kind of feels that way in in certain in certain aspects. I mean, they are the the hated team in you know in in baseball right now because of the amount of spending that they have done and the the guys that they have uh, picked clean from other teams and such, and you know Freddie Freeman joining them, and it's just ridiculous. Like their their lineup is insane, and then they're they're getting trades, and they're bringing guys like Greg Kimbrell over from the White Sox, and the White Sox are going to be really good this year, by the way. Um, so I, you know, again, it's it, it's like the rich get richer, and they just keep spending, and you know all these other things. So uh, when you know when you look at that, I think that. The Dodgers are the well overwhelming favorite of the National League. I do believe that the Dodgers will be right there, and I mean right there, as far as the National League pennant goes. 
it, but it it rarely works out that way, right? Like we we rarely get to see a situation where you know where a team is uh, uh, essentially the the favorite from the beginning and just you know carrying it through all the way to the finish line. We we don't see it that often. So it's <laughs> there's going to be other teams that are in there. Obviously, the Braves are going to be contenders. They bring Matt Olson over from the A's. They got themselves a big power hitting, big sweeping, you know, left-handed hitting first baseman now to replace Freddie Freeman. Ronald Acuna Jr. is going to be coming back at some point. The staff is still really good there. It's still a championship caliber team. You never know what the Mets are going to do. They're going to spend like crazy. And if they ever get healthy, they're potentially, you know, the scariest starting rotation in the National League. So they, uh, you know, they're always going to be looming. You've always got the St. Louis Cardinals there. And then there's always going to be some wild card that comes out and gets hot at the right time and, you know, does some things. It could be the Nationals. It could be the Giants again. Uh, you know, it could be any number of teams, the Brewers. Uh, so it, it's, it, look, there's, there's a, lot of, a lot of questions in, in, the, uh, in the National League. In the American League, <laughs> I think it's, I don't know, I, I don't want to say it's, it's over and done with, like as far as like who's going to win the divisions. Look, it, it, I would be shocked if any, any team other than the Blue Jays wins the East. I really would be. I would be shocked if the Yankees win the East. Um, I'd be even more shocked if, if the Rays win the East. I know they had a nice run last year. The, the Blue Jays have constructed themselves maybe, like, from 1 through 25, the best, like, the most solid roster in baseball. They are just, they're loaded everywhere. The White Sox, another team. Like, the White Sox are going to play seven-inning games all year long. That is really, really tough to do. Also, don't, let's not forget this about the Blue Jays. They have a really, really overwhelming home field advantage this year because they play in Canada and every team that goes there to play in a, in a series against the Blue Jays in Toronto, if you have unvaccinated players and every team does, those players are not going to be allowed to play. Not there. They can't make, they can't make the trip. Can't cross over the border. So there are going to be teams going into the, you know, going into Toronto without two, three, maybe even four players. Some of them starters and valuable pieces to you know to those teams going in there that is a huge advantage for the blue jays huge like i don't don't think people are understanding like that could be the difference between them winning 95 and 105 games this year it's that big of a difference it's massive so uh and i don't see canada changing their policies in the middle of the season it's a long season it could it could possibly happen but i doubt it uh, moving on to the, you know the White Sox, the the AL Central, the White Sox are by far the class of that uh, of that division. Again, they're going to be playing seven inning games. Everybody else is playing nine. The White Sox are very good. Uh, uh, the the young pitcher, uh, what's his name, uh, Cease Cease, he's fantastic. Like he's like my buddy's my buddy. I have a buddy who's a, a, the advanced scout for um, for the uh, for the White Sox, and he just he. He's never like the most optimistic guy, like rah rah guy in the world. He's like super excited about this season. White Sox got themselves a real contender. They they could be you know a, the, the the legitimate contender for the World Series uh, in the AL. And then you got the Astros in the West. They're the, by far the most dominant team in the West. Other than them, you know if if the Angels can you know can use the 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 spark from Mike Trout, 
who I think they will, you know, they will get. You know, he's going to have a huge season this year, I believe, uh, now that he's fully healthy. But the A's stink. Like, they're terrible. The Rangers aren't much better. Um, but, you know, the, the Astros are the class of that division. And Seattle's pretty good. And, you know, they're going to they're gonna compete, certainly, in that division. But, uh, but I like the Astros to run away with that division. So you got three runaways in the American League. In the National League, you've got – Maybe one, but you can never count out the Giants in that rivalry with the Dodgers. As far as, like, MVP and Cy Young awards go, I mean, I don't know. Correa's a fantastic player, obviously. Uh, you know, he's he's going to have a chance to, you know, to make his make his mark, you know, where he's at with the Twins now. Um you know, there's there's going to be a lot. There'll be a lot of great players, and I don't want to sit here to make you know these predictions and stuff like that over every single award and stuff. Uh, but I do like, you know, guys like Correa, guys like Mike Trout, um, to you know, potentially win the MVP awards in those in those uh, you know in that in that league. You know, we got uh, Vlad Guerrero. He'll be back, of course, this year. He's going to make a run for it, and you've always got Shohei. You know, because he's so unique. Um, you know, you know what he does could be a, a, a potential threat for the for the MVP award in the National League. Look, I'm just going to say it right now. I think Juan Soto, to me, he is <laughs> he, he's he's just developing into the best, one of the best players in baseball. Certainly, the best in the National League. He is r- remarkable. He, I I, re- I really do. I think he's the best player in the National League. If you haven't watched him play. Make sure you check that out. He is something special, man. Uh, and then, as far as Cy Young Award goes, who knows? We get it. We get we get surprised by that almost every year, especially the way the National League is constructed. You don't know what the Mets, you know, what's going to happen with with Max, you know, in New York and stuff. So, um, always something to watch for there. But look, it's going to be exciting. I'm super excited that Major League Baseball is here. Opening day, seven games today, nine games tomorrow, and a full 15 game slate on Saturday. I am ready. So. Thankfully, we can move forward now after the 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 hundred day lockout, and uh, and get on with some baseball. All right, we're going to talk some NFL as we do here every single day on the Jeff Dean Show. That is my promise to you. But first, we're going to get into some some new of a news. The football team has the spring game coming up this Saturday. The game is going to be at noon at Arizona Stadium. They are really making a push for a lot of fans to be there. I am making that same push. I would really like to see a, a ton of fans at the stadium on Saturday. Look, the weather is going to be the, the weather should be great. It should be in like the the, the mid eighties uh, for the you know for the uh, uh, for the game. In fact, let's take a let's take a look right now and see what kind of weather we're looking at there for uh, for Saturday. Yeah, for for kickoff, eighty six degrees. So let's let's go out and let's 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 enjoy this new program that we have been gifted i mean really as fans um we didn't have to do much for it uh the 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 season ticket sales have not fueled this it has not been overwhelming fan support for the head coach from day one people were all over jed fish and who is this guy and he's a bouncer you know bounces from job to job every year or two blah 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 there was all this negative talk about him and lo and behold now they've got the number one recruiting class or number two depending on which service you subscribe to in the pac-12 and are making headlines, and I, I mean, look, I <laughs> I can't express enough, man, what it's like to have a guy like Tetsuroa McMillan in the uh, in the program in that locker room on the field, like that is 
I don't know if people really fully understand. <laughs> like, he's special, okay? Like, he's really, really special. Like, this is a generational special type of player at, at Arizona. You don't you don't see this type of talent coming to Arizona very often. Hopefully we do, you know, for the for the years to come now because he is going to be laying a path. But, my goodness, I'm telling you folks, strap in. Like, get ready. These three years are going to be fun. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait. Uh, but we can start celebrating that this Saturday at Arizona Stadium. So come on down. We're uh, we're looking forward to seeing you guys there. I'll be there. We're going to have, you know, full announcements. There's all kinds of alumni that's going to be there. Lance Briggs versus Teddy Bruschi. The coaching staffs have been, you know, have been laid out. Then you've got Mike Candrea as an assistant coach for uh, for Lance Briggs. And you've got Adia Barnes as the assistant coach for Teddy Bruschi. And you've got the red versus blue and the coaching staffs and the players are split down the middle. And I think it's – look, it's going to be a showcase. And it, it, there are so many guys at the, at the skill positions, the talent positions, that, that are going to show out on Saturday. I can't wait. I am really, really, really looking forward to it. Now, the final practice is today. So we're going to get some information from, you know, all the re- great reporters who do a phenomenal job there in Tucson covering the, uh, covering the team on a daily basis, guys like Justin Spears, who you can hear right here on ESPN Tucson every afternoon along with, along with Ali from 3 to 6 here on our airwaves and, uh, you know, guys like Mike Lev and, you know, everybody, like everybody who covers the team that does a great job of, uh, of reporting for that team. I don't want to sit and go down the list, but they've all done phenomenal work in getting us the news that, uh, that we need for this team. Look, this is, you know, this is Jaden Delora's team. We, we've said it all along. It's going to be, he's going to be the quarterback. He's going to be QB1. That's what he was brought here to do, and I think it's the right move. And so far, I think that he's winning over anyone who would have had any doubts of whether or not he was QB1 or not. Uh, based on the things that I'm hearing from what's going on in practice, he is absolutely uh, taking control of this team and is showing that, that he is ready to take it to the next level. The, the early season predictions right now for Arizona, on, on, as far as like win total goes, is four. I think that's a safe number for, you know, for most people. The, the schedule is brutal, folks. Like we, we've talked about the schedule, right? It's an exciting schedule, no doubt. I mean, it is a super exciting schedule. We're going to go to San Diego to open up the season. I hope to see a ton of fans there. I'm going to head over to San Diego, get my tickets to see that new stadium, Snapdragon Stadium, and watch the Wildcats open up the season against the Aztecs, try to exact a little revenge from what they did in our house last year. And then they come home to play Mississippi State, who is going to be really good again this year. Of course, SEC recruiting, Mike Leach is the head coach. I mean, it's, it's, look, that's a good football team. And then you play the defending national champions of the FCS level in North Dakota State. They're coming. So the, the, the non-con schedule is tough. And then the conference schedule gets even tougher. Like, you know, this is, there are, there are some, some also-rans in the Pac-12, but USC upgraded. Utah is going to be great, uh, as, as they always are. I mean, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're not going to skip a beat, uh, is Utah, the defending champs. I don't know what UCLA is going to be like. I really don't. Like, they're, they're kind of a crapshoot. ASU is going to be down, but they still have talent, right? So they're still a talented team to contend with here in the, in the South. And Colorado, they've, they've done a little recruiting. Like, 
I, I know that people are just kind of like, ah, oh, but sometimes that, you know, you, you never know what to expect from them, like in, in the, especially in this era, because they just, they're gamers. And Carl Durrell gets them ready to play, which I, I still, it's still weird to me because I don't think he's all that great of a head coach. But regardless, uh, it's, you know, it's going to be tough. And it's not like Arizona's just going to walk in any game this year and say, ah, oh, we're favored by two touchdowns, because they're not going to be. So it's going to be an uphill battle. I think going from one win last season to four wins this season would be a nice jump. I would also say, look, you know, based on the strength of the schedule, if Arizona falls short of those four wins, I wouldn't consider it, you know, a throwaway or, oh, what a waste of a season and all this. Arizona's building something here. And we have to remember just how bad it got. And sports fans, man, I'll tell you, they, they, they are very selective in their length of memory. They, I mean, sports fans either remember, choose to remember the things that happened 50 years ago and stay in the glory and bask in the glory of that, or they forget the things that happened two years ago. Like, they, it's, it's, it's one or the other with sports fans. They choose the length of their memories. And for, uh, for you know, for Arizona fans, you got to remember just where this program was two years ago. It is so difficult to dig a program out of the hole like that. It's going to take some time, and the schedule makers uh, were not uh, were not all that kind to the Wildcats this year. But I will tell you this: the home schedule is going to be exciting, and I am looking forward to it. Being there on Saturdays uh, at Arizona Stadium, and we'll have tickets to give away again this year on my show. So be ready because I'm giving away my tickets to the games again this year. So stay tuned for that. You can win some tickets to go see uh, the Wildcats in my seats. So uh, we'll get ready for for that. But Saturday at noon, the spring game. Looking forward to seeing you guys there. Come on down, enjoy it, bring the family, and uh, just enjoy a day of Wildcat football and fun with alumni. And look, there's going to be some great guys in house. Uh, you know, anytime Teddy, Teddy Bruski's in the house, it's a party. Uh, love Teddy, and a lot of people, obviously in Tucson. I was just talking to a guy last night that went to school with Teddy, knew Teddy. You know, riding a moped around school and stuff around campus, and you know, knew Teddy really well. And he's excited. He's coming down for the game on Saturday, and, and uh, he and his family are really looking forward to it. So hope to see you guys there on Saturday for the, uh, for the spring game and kind of kick off this, this football season. I mean, it's right around the corner, folks. August is going to be here before we know it as quickly as this year is moving along. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When I return, we'll start talking some NFL, lots of news and notes, including a little bit of an NFL draft preview, all that and more right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Well, log this into things that you didn't think you would hear today. Like a couple days ago, if you had heard this, You'd be like, wait, what? Tiger's opening drive went into the trap, but he is underway at the Masters. <laughs> so there you go. Tiger Woods uh, is underway. He has teed off. It did not go well for him, but nonetheless, he is underway. And golf's first major is, of course, a tradition like any other. And now you can bet on who you think will go home with the green jacket on FanDuel Sportsbook because right now customers are going to get 30-to-1 odds on Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy, or Dustin Johnson just to make the cut at Augusta. 
if any of those players make the cut, you can win the 30-to-1 odds. But those are for the new customers who sign up with my promo code DEAN. Make sure you use my promo code to get that uh, to get access to those 30-to-1 odds because that's remarkable return on investment right there. Uh, personally, like I said, I'll be rooting for Rory. I want him to complete the Grand Slam. But I think Dustin Johnson is going to show out well. I kind of like Hideki Matsuyama as my long shot. And Bryson DeChambeau may have a top 20 finish. So he's got uh, he's got that in him, of course, as well. And he's played big in majors before. Uh, so see for yourself why FanDuel is America's number one sports book and take a swing at betting the first major of the season. But make sure you download uh, the, the sports book app. Use my promo code DEAN to get access to those 30-to-1 odds. Now, the 30-to-1 odds are Jordan Spieth, Rory, or Dustin Johnson just to make the cut. <laughs> so jump on that. Right now, FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the PGA Tour. 21 and over in present Arizona. New Year's only must wager in designated offer market. Max bet is $5. Restrictions apply. See full term to sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you think you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342. We'll keep you updated with, uh, with the Masters as we uh, move along. But we're going to be continuing with some NFL talk right now. The NFL draft is rapidly approaching, of course, the 2022 draft. The Jaguars are officially on the clock. You know, there's there's positions of need for the Jaguars. Obviously, they are, they have a lot of a lot of positions of need, but they went out and got themselves some weapons for Trevor Lawrence. I still think, and I felt all along that Aiden Hutchinson should be the number one pick in this draft. He's gaining a lot of momentum after his interviews with general managers and with teams and coaches. They are just falling in love with this kid, and rightfully so. Look, you know, both of his parents were athletes at Michigan. His dad a football player. His mom was an athlete as well. They're both very uh, passionate sports people. The athletes, you know, they, they're very heavily involved and have been involved for a long time. And when you have a player like Aiden Hutchinson, a young man who has not, I don't want to say been groomed, but he's been brought up in that type of an environment. And he also has a tremendous amount of love for the game. Like, that's just a no-brainer. And, you, you know, when, when coaches say that watching him on film was nothing like watching him on the field because of just how hard he plays and how much more athletic he was in person than what you've seen on film, like, that speaks volumes, too. So, I think that he should be the number one pick regardless of need. That is a guy who changes your changes your team for the better regardless, whether you need an edge rusher or whether you need a quarterback or whatever. You draft Aiden Hutchinson and you say, we got ourselves a top-tier player and a guy who wants to play the game of football, who loves the game of football, who's going to elevate our team, our franchise, our program, our players, our coaches, and everybody around him. So, I think he should be the overwhelming favorite for the number one pick. After that, you got the Lions on the clock, and who knows what the hell they're going to do. I mean, you could take the most talented player in this draft, which is Trayvon Walker. They could go Sauce Gardner. They could go Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett at quarterback. Who knows? Uh, pretty sure they're not going to go offensive tackle. They spent that on on Penny Sewell last year. Uh, so, you know, Neil... Icky and uh, Charles Cross probably not going to be taken in that spot, but it could be any one of the other top guys taken there. So, uh, you know, the Detroit Lions could go anywhere. I think it'll probably be Trayvon Walker. He gives them a lot of different uh, options as far as the defensive line go. 
and you want to create that pass rush, especially in the uh, in the NFC where there's so many questions at quarterback right now for the teams that are going to be playing. Then you got the Texans. They're definitely going to go offensive line, most likely Evan Neal, the the gigantic house of a man who played for Alabama this year. Then you've got the Jets, who I think will go defense, 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 defense under Robert Sala. They went offense last year. That blew up in their face. So he's like, screw it. We're just going to pick defense. Like So it could be Stingley. It could be Sauce. It could you know, it could be any of those guys. But uh, I think it will be one of those two corners. Then you've got the Giants. They'll go tackle. And then the Panthers need a quarterback. So it will be a quarterback taken off, the, taken off the board there at number six. Will it be Desmond Ritter? Will it be Kenny Pickett? Will it be Malik Willis? I don't know. I'm not sold on any of them, to be honest with you. But if I'm talking about sizzle in my steak, I take Malik Willis. Uh, I just feel like he's got the most upside in you know of the quarterbacks in this draft. He's just got that. There's something about him. There's something about him that when you look at all the quarterbacks, when you look at Kenny Pickett, when you look at uh, you know, when you look at Desmond Ritter, when you look at Malik Willis, when you look at you know all the guys that are available, the, you know the top quarterbacks in this in this draft, and you look at them and you say, okay, well, you know, Pickett's like this, and he's a good game manager, and he's been in a pro style offense, and Desmond Ritter won a lot of games at college. I mean, they all won a lot of games at college. Like they all have winning percentages, you know, above seventy in in, in, in the collegiate level, which is really really good. But there's one thing that stands out above all of them from the rest. Like one of these things is not like the other, and that's when you watch Malik Willis throw a football. Like that's the difference maker right there, and that's why if I if I'm the team picking the first quarterback, I'm taking the guy with the most sizzle. He may not be the most ready, but he's definitely got the most sizzle. And I'll be honest with you, in this day and age in the NFL, where quarterbacks, it it is it has become glaringly the most important position in all of sports, period, end of story. There is there's no argument for that. There is zero argument for that. Because if you look at – just look at the history of the last five years in the NFL, and if you look at the division winners, teams that advanced in the playoffs, all those teams had one thing in common. They had a top quarterback. Now, the 49ers, you may not want to say that Jimmy Garoppolo is a top quarterback because when you watch Jimmy Garoppolo play, you're like, man, this guy's just not a great quarterback. And you look at his winning percentage, you're like, wow, Dude wins games, and he's huge in big moments. Like two minutes to go, they need a drive. Garoppolo gets it done. Like he's just he's that guy. So I don't want to hear people say, "Oh, Garoppolo stinks." You know, the 49ers got the Super Bowl with him and won playoff games with him. Yeah, okay. First of all, Kyle Shanahan's uh, he's a master at at getting quarterbacks to succeed. Uh, but Jimmy Garoppolo is not a throwaway quarterback. So. It is so vitally important to have a special talent at the quarterback position that, to me, drafting Kenny Pickett or Desmond Ritter is just like saying, well, we're just going to take a quarterback because we need one. Is that is that the position that you're in? And, you know, at the NFL personnel level, like, we're just going to take a guy because we don't have a guy? I, I just – I don't understand. Teams like that will continue to pick in the top five. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. Or you can say, we're going to go get Malik Willis. This kid just absolutely jumps off of the camera screen when we watch him throw, and there's something special about him. And we've got to do a lot of work with him because he played at a really small school and he's had, you know, he's been the best player on the field 
since he's been a young, you know, since a little boy, and he's been able to do whatever the hell he wants and rely on his athleticism and his instincts to get him through. And now he's going to be playing in the NFL with dudes who are paid to take his head off, and things are going to have to change real quick for him. Otherwise, he's going to have a rough, a rough start to his career. So they've, there's a lot of grooming to do with a guy like Malik Willis. And I'm not saying he's not ready for the NFL. He just – it's like I say with Caleb Tarzuski all the time. Okay, when people when, when when I have this conversation with Wildcat fans or people about about specifically about Caleb, I would say this: I'm like Caleb was the tallest kid in his state. Like growing up, all they had to do was just throw the ball up in the air; he would catch it and just put it in the basket. His entire life, like that's all he ever had to do. There was there was nobody to guard him until he got to playing in you know more competitive club leagues and things like that. He didn't play a whole lot of AAU. So when he got to Arizona, it was like, oh, there's dudes like my size here. It took him a while. And Caleb, because he's strong and he's instinctful, was able to, you know, crack starting and able to be really, really effective in the conference and, and nationally. Uh, but it, it was it was a steep learning curve for him. It was like slap in the face, like, holy crap, I've been able to rely on my size and my strength all this time, and now I'm not the, I'm not the tallest and I'm not the strongest guy anymore. That's going to be Malik Willis. That's, he's got a steep learning curve heading to the NFL where he's relied completely on his athleticism for his entire life. Not going to be able to rely on it anymore. It's good, but he's not, you know, he's not Michael Vick-level athleticism. So uh, he's, you know, he needs some help. He needs some work. But I would still take him over any other quarterback in this draft, period, end of story, because he's just he's got the one thing that is special above all of them, and that's that gifted right arm of his my god he can fire that ball it is impressive and he's accurate he's getting more accurate uh as he gets more teaching from you know from pro level uh coaches and such so that's just my two cents on that coming up after the break some nfl news and notes the deshaun watson saga gets a little bit more tenuous bruce arians tried to lure away larry fitzgerald to come play for the buccaneers last year and how Jeff Bezos is going to affect the NFL schedule this year. All that and more. Stay tuned. It's the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here. ESPN Tucson talking some NFL. Now let me let me drop a little a little information on you here. This is information that I got uh, like a week ago. I want to say that I would have it would have been great when Bruce Arians announced that he was retiring to be able to say, "Hey, here's here's why he did what he did." Uh, but I have to do it now. Um, there was a lot of a, a lot of head scratching by some people. In the both in the business and by fans, as to why Todd Bowles was elevated to the head coaching position, and you know, and and of course not Byron Leftwich, who's been there and has been passed over for several jobs, and you know, immediately people are like, oh, Byron Leftwich being passed over for a job again, like has nothing to do with race. Todd Bowles is also black, so it has nothing to do with that. Here's what I was told. Now this is this is from somebody who is close to the situation. Bruce Arians, first of all, he loves 
both Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich. He loves them like they're his own sons. Like he, he really does. Like they're he and he and Bowles are best friends. Like they are besties. So giving Todd the the head coaching job was kind of like, look, I want you to have another crack at this. Your first your first job didn't go so well. You got stuck with a bad franchise and a bad football team with Sam Darnold as your quarterback. Let's try it again with a future Hall of Famer, the greatest of all time, whatever you want to call him. But I also was told this, that that Bruce wanted to elevate Byron Leftwich to the position, but felt ultimately that he would be best served and, and it would be more advantageous to him, to, to Byron Leftwich, if he continued to be the OC with Tom Brady there throwing for 4,800 yards at the age of 45. Basically that... And and Bruce thought this thing through. I mean, really, you know, went through it and mulled it over completely. This was not a spur of the moment thing. I'm leaving. Todd, you're in. Byron, you're still OC. This was, I think this is going to be best for Byron Leftwich. He felt that Byron Leftwich would get more credit and more bang for his buck as the offensive coordinator with this particular setup than he would as the head coach. Because if, if Leftwich goes in there and he wins games, it's like, okay, well, anybody could have won games with Tom Brady and, you know, the, the roster that they have and all this other stuff, and they're playing in the NFC South and yada, yada, yada. Anybody could have won those games. It doesn't prove anything. If Tom Brady goes out there and throws for 4,800 yards and 44 touchdowns and nine interceptions, it's like, man, not only was Tom Brady – you know, great again at the age of 45, but how about the offense that he worked within and they were able to get them, you know, the, 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 the plays that he needed to make and all this other stuff. Basically it's going to look better on Byron Leftwich if, and when they have the success they have, it'll look better for him as the OC than it would as the head coach. And this is what Bruce, this is what Bruce was thinking. And likewise for Todd Bowles, if they win, it shows that Todd Bowles does have the capability of keeping a 53-man roster in a winning, essentially a, a you know, momentum-gaining type of situation. So giving him a roster with some players and a good quarterback, Todd Bowles can prove to be a winner in this league. So it really it, it works out best for both of them. This was not – some people just think it was just, it was just Bruce giving his best friend – the job, the keys to the car, and that's not that's not the case. Like Bruce thought this thing through, thought it molded over for, you know, I don't know how long, but I'm sure for several days, maybe even a couple of weeks, where he kind of went through this, and ultimately he decided that this was going to be the best position for both of them, that they were going to get the most recognition, the best bang for their buck, based on the future of their careers by doing it this way, and I couldn't agree more. Like, I, I mean, I feel like that is the, the exact right way to look at it. When I, was, when I was told this information, I was like, that makes perfect sense to me. So I was, okay, yeah, that, that works. I get it. Now, Bruce also apparently tried to poach Larry Fitzgerald away from the Cardinals last year. When the, uh, when the Buccaneers were making their run and they lost, they lost Godwin, they've been losing some receivers, you know, some guys were, you know, were, were going down to injury, he called Fitz and was like, "How you feeling, buddy? You wanna you wanna come play with Tom Brady?" And Larry told him, "He goes, man. He goes, Bruce. I couldn't run two plays if I wanted to right now." So there's that. I thought that was kind of interesting that he'd call Fitz 
And Bruce was like, okay, just, just checking, just checking on you. Um, the scheduling issue in the NFL, and I don't want to say issue, but, I mean, we're, you know, we're going to talk about it because they're going to be opening up the season on a Thursday night again. And as much as we groan and bemoan the Thursday night games and the players hate them, and trust me, they do, I've talked with – trust me. <laughs> okay, I, I've I've had one-on-one vocal conversations with over 40 players, and every single one of them hates playing on Thursday night. Every single one of them. But it's going to be ramped up a little bit this year because starting week two, we, NFL gets week one. Uh, they get they get the opener in on Thursday night football. But for the 16 weeks after that, it's going to be on Amazon Prime Television. They're the new they're the new the new buyer in town. And Jeff Bezos, one of the most powerful men in the world, if you consider money equaling power, uh, he is far and away one of the most powerful men in the world, and obviously the you know the, the leader of Amazon and his his uh, his company there, Amazon Prime TV, is going to be airing these Thursday night games. So I can guarantee you that Jeff Bezos or whomever he is appointed to be his media manager and the guy who's in, in you know char- leading the charge of the NFL game scheduling and such on Amazon Prime, they're going to be dictating what teams are playing on Thursday night. And I have read something, I don't remember where I read it, it was a couple of days ago, saying that they want Kansas City for the opener, their, for their opener. That's week two. Not sure who week one is going to be. Um, but week two, I've heard that that Bezos and Amazon want Patrick Mahomes on the air. Now, would that mean that we get a divisional matchup in week one? Does the NFL say, you know, we're going to blow the top off this thing. We're going to impress the hell out of this guy, this new money that we just got. And we're going to put Patrick Mahomes versus Russell Wilson on week two on a Thursday night game. We're going to do it a division game. Big-time matchup there, two teams that are favorites to win the AFC. And we're, you know, we're going to see what the new-look Denver Broncos are like and what Kansas City is going to be doing without Tyreek Hill and all the other guys they lost on defense and Patrick Mahomes. and do it. Like, do they do that? Do they go with the Chargers? Those two teams had absolute barn burners last year, right? What were the, what were the, what were the, the, the differences in the games? Like three and six points in the games that they played? Like, yeah, the two teams are pretty well evenly matched. You know, you got Justin Herbert, you got all that sizzle. What are they? I mean, maybe it's a rematch against the Bills. So who knows? But it's going to affect the scheduling. You watch. You, all of a sudden, these Thursday night games are going to be sexy as hell. Gone are the days of Panthers Jaguars on Thursday night football. Yeah? Gone are the days of, you know, uh, Pittsburgh, Minnesota on Thursday night football. Even though those are big markets, fans don't care about who wins the game between Pittsburgh and Minnesota. It's a, it's a meaningless, not a meaningless game. You know what I mean. You get what I'm saying. These are going to be sexy games. Like, we're going to have 49ers Rams on Thursday night football. We'll have... Uh, you know, we, we won't, we'll have big matchups. I couldn't think of another NFC big matchup right now because NFC got poached a little bit this offseason. We'll have Packers-Bears on Thursday night football, right? So we'll get, we'll get some really good games because of the new money in town. Jeff Bezos going to be watching. NFL wants to impress him. So that second week, that, that week two Thursday night game, uh, <laughs> that's going to be a big one. Like, be ready for that. Just, just throwing it out there. 
because, it, I mean, if it were me and I had some new investor in my company and this guy had $74 billion or whatever he's worth, I'd be like, hey, let's, uh, let's, let's put the best product out there for him. Let's welcome him with open arms, shall we? Damn right I would. Now, there's one other little bit of news I want to talk about coming up after the break that could be the death knell for Daniel Snyder at Washington. We'll talk about that next right here on The Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of The Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back. Final segment today's edition of The Jeff Dean Show. Now, Peter King, <laughs> interesting, interesting little snippet here. It says that the NFL might have the sort of poison pill, finally, that would force Daniel Snyder to sell his team in Washington. Because on Saturday night, A.J. Perez of Front Office Sports reported that the House Committee on Oversight and Reform, which is investigating allegations of sexual and financial misdeeds in the, uh, in the commander's front office, has been informed by one source that the team did not give the full share of ticket revenue to its visiting teams as required by NFL bylaws. Now, in the NFL, if you didn't know this, 40% of all your ticket revenue gets kicked into a league pool, essentially. So you kick 40% of all your ticket revenue into a pool, and then every team gets one thirty-second of that pie. (laughs) According... To this report that was brought in front of the uh, House Committee on Oversight and Reform, Washington didn't give their full 40%. So the tithing, the, the collection plate was a little light going through Washington's hands, apparently, which could be, quote, a death knell for Snyder's ownership. Because if it's one thing you don't mess with, the NFL, it's their money. <laughs> because if the other 31 owners or the 30 owners and then the the, the 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 collective that makes up the ownership in Green Bay, if they realize that they've been getting shorted by Daniel Snyder in Washington over these years, that he hasn't been pull it, putting the full amount into the collection plate that he was supposed to be doing, they are going to run his ass out of town so fast that he won't have a he won't have an opportunity to collect his things. Like this is Look, first of all, this is really good for the NFL because he's trash. He is absolutely trash. I know people who have worked for him and played, you know, played for him, obviously, and he is he is he's an absolute trash human being. He really is. Like he he runs his company the way that he sees fit, and he's a petulant, small-minded individual, and he is he is absolutely ridiculous. And the things he demands of the people that work in that building are stupid and ridiculous, and he treats people like crap. And it's about time that he gets run out. I hope, I hope this is 100% true. I hope he's been shorting that plate by 10% every year and that these owners go after their piece. <laughs> because, man, that is that, – it's, so, like, it's so on brand for him, too. So on brand. And the fact that the NFL has continued to defend his sorry butt makes me mad. Maybe this will be it. Finally – and they can get some good ownership. Somebody who actually wants to run the team like a professional football franchise instead of their toy. Oh. So there you go. The collection plate was light going through Washington the last few years. Messing with people's money. That ain't good. All right, that is going to wrap things up for today's edition. So glad to be back with you guys, man. This felt good. 
So thank you for that. Thanks to Mary back in the studio for all her hard work and keeping me on the air here and pushing all the right buttons and all that stuff. And stay tuned. 3 to 6 today for Spears and Ali. They'll have a full breakdown of practice today, football practice at Arizona. And I will talk to you guys tomorrow morning for a football Friday right here on the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Thanks for listening to the Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson.